This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Well, if you are in and around the Joburg, you would have been experiencing problems uh, with water, either low pressure or no water at all. That carried on into the weekend as well. Joburg Water say now more than 100 tankers are providing water to various areas in the city and 55 have been deployed to suburbs hit by a shortage uh, a water shortage crisis um and uh, well specialist says that the recent water shortages in johannesburg are as a result of a long-standing reluctance to improve and develop water infrastructure he says that um the impact in, uh, of the spike in water consumption due to the population growth has to be recognized, but has warned that Joburg Water has failed to heed the initial signs indicating a potential infrastructure collapse. Let us speak to the Transboundary Water Specialist, uh, uh, Anthony the Third Turton. Uh, good morning to you, and thank you so much for joining us. Good morning to you, the listeners. Thanks for having me. Good to have you with us again. And, well, it's the same old story, um, isn't it? But I do wonder that, you know, because when we talk about fixing infrastructure or, or you know, about maintaining infrastructure, once you get to a point where the infrastructure is broken, um, it's not going to be easy. It's not something you can do overnight. It means that we are, if you have to fix it now, when the problem has uh, hit you, uh, the disruptions are inevitable. Yes, all infrastructure has got a defined useful life. Uh, and at the point of time when it is installed in the, in, into the ground, it has got a, what's known as a defined useful life. Uh, the majority of Johannesburg's infrastructure has got at, me, at most five years of remaining useful life left in it. Mm. So that's why a, a, a team of qualified professional engineers replaces this uh, uh, aging infrastructure on a regular and ongoing basis. Mm. That's why you have a budget for that, and that's called planned maintenance. Mm. And if you don't plan it, if you don't do it properly, then you start getting a backlog. And at the moment, the information that I have is that Johannesburg has got a backlog now, something to the tune of uh, in excess of 50 billion rands worth of backlog. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's simply impossible to get that uh, sorted out uh, before uh, the system failed. So in other words, Johannesburg water has failed. And mm-hmm. there's another interesting phenomenon uh, we're seeing now in other parts of the country where infrastructure fails, you get a burgeoning, uh, let's call it a syndicate kind of operation that provides alternative services in the form of tankers. Mm. So the tanker service now starts becoming something that's a manifestation of the failed system, but it also seeks to perpetuate its existence into the future because there are contracts that are awarded to mm. sustain that. Mm. So you now start seeing the emergence of a, of a, of a split economy, or basically a, a syndicate-run economy that, uh, that thrives on chaos and disruption, and then you get the normal economy that is under increasing pressure unable to sustain itself so we are where we are we know how we got here um uh, uh, prof but how then do we get ourselves out of here is there uh i don't know a, a shall, shall we for lack of a better word like some low-hanging fruit in terms of where you start in terms of dealing with what is such a, a massive problem 
Yes, uh, what's interesting, I did some uh, statistical checking yesterday and I found that uh, of all the municipalities in South Africa, the the officials that are leading Johannesburg are the highest paid in the country. So there's an interesting correlation between the, the level of salary for the top people, the people that are making the decisions on behalf of everybody. It's the highest in Johannesburg, also with the lowest uh, technical capacity or service delivery record. So there's an inverse relationship between that. I, I found that was quite an interesting mm-hmm. thing. And then the other thing, of course, okay, you asked the question about how, how can it be rectified? I do not see any indication at this stage that it is able to self-correct. I do not see that. So therefore, I, I welcome the fact that the minister is showing very, very strong leadership. Uh, he's trying to uh, uh, correct it from externally. As to how far that can go, that's an open question because there's certain constitutional uh, uh, challenges that he has to overcome in order to do that. The other alternative would be for uh, some kind of uh, intervention by the courts of law. They they could uh, uh, enforce some kind of uh, intervention. And of course, if all of that fails, then I think ultimately the system will collapse totally and then you will start getting a kind of uh, a popular uprising, a kind of Arab Spring type of situation that will sweep those that are in power, you know, uh, out of their out of their power, they will reset it. But that will be an extra an extra judicial thing, and uh, uh, that's not a nice thing to do. So we want to avoid that at all costs. So let's hope that the minister can succeed, and if not, then let's bring let's back that up with uh, with a legal challenge. Communication is key in these situations. I wonder what is the message that the government should be sending out uh, to residents uh, about uh, you know this uh, this situation to say. Uh, you know, explaining it because it's no good. What leads to anger is when people are not getting any explanation for why they don't have water. Yes, I think you're correct. Uh, you know, I'm on record as saying that uh, we have a misdiagnosed problem uh, for which we apply an inappropriate solution. So the misdiagnosed problem means that there's actually a, a trust deficit. Uh, the, 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 the people, the man on the street no longer trusts the authorities that are that is making a decision on their behalf. Mm. So that trust deficit only gets worse and worse and worse now. And the only way to fix that trust uh, trust deficit up is to uh, communicate honestly. So you know, part of the honest communication has to be uh, a, a statement of where we actually are today and what the likelihood is of us getting out of this uh, crisis that we're in. And gone, gone are the days where you can just shift blame, for example, onto Randwater. That's the current game being played. That's mm-hmm. oh, no, it's Randwater's fault. Now, how can Randwater be held accountable for you know, for a service delivery failure in a specific suburb in Johannesburg when Randwater's got no legal mandate to to operate in that? Area. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a clear example of blame shifting. And in fact, uh, you know, I asked the question, where is the mayoral team? Ha- has mm. the mayor walked the streets of Johannesburg? Mm. Uh, has the top leadership of the, of, of the city of Johannesburg made their presence felt? Have they been willing to engage in, uh, you know, in press conferences to be held accountable? And I think the answer to all of that is no, they haven't. Why? Because they're actually hiding behind their armed guards. They're hiding behind uh, their, you know, their, 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 their motorcades mm. and their police protection. And that's the problem. Uh, the, the more they do that, the greater becomes the trust deficit and the, and the closer people start going towards the Arab Spring kind of uprising. So we have to avoid all of that. And we avoid that, I think, by, by holding these officials accountable. And I would appeal to the mayor and to the mayoral team, the whole top executive uh, team of the city, to come clean, to, you know, to hold press conferences, to, to, to engage with the people, 
They serve the people. The people don't serve them. Mm. And this is an important thing in a democracy. We've got it head over heel now. You know, mm. uh, we are the, the, the people, the public, the taxpaying public are there now to sustain the leadership. And the, the leadership is no longer there to serve the public. And this is something I think which is a great tragedy of our young democracy in South Africa. Anthony Turton is a transboundary water specialist. Thank you very much for talking to us. Appreciate your time. Thank you. There you go. Um, that's that's the situation. Then uh, uh, still no clear um, what exactly is happening. We now we know when you start seeing the water tankers that you're not that uh, you know yeah now things are pretty bad. You know, uh, and how long we're going to be relying on them. And as uh, uh, Anthony Turton was saying there, Anthony Turton was saying there, problem is that now you have created a new economy. Um, these people with the tankers, uh, you know, you can't now wish them away, unfortunately. Uh, because, well, it's, it's not even a question of wishing them away. Is that now that you have created them there, uh, this crisis actually works for them. You know, when pipes are bursting uh, all over the place, then this actually works for them because there's a need for these emergency tankers to be uh, providing us with water. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.